What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tondewald, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try to find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This week, we have Mike Damron of ISM and formerly of By Felicia. I've known Mike for a long time, and it was great catching up with him to talk about the new directions he's taken with his life and music. We go through his history, how important it is to be able to just turn your brain off in both of our cases through video games, and his renewed dedication to original music. Per usual, I'll have all his links in the show notes. Keep an eye out for new tunes Mike is currently recording. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, and subscribe on Google Play or however you get your podcast. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. This is this is the best. I need I need couches. I don't have couches in my house. I have one that uh, my dog, I'm pretty sure, has peed on. So and I, I don't sit on it. It's just in the living room doing nothing. I also have a uh, queen box spring in the living room. What else do I have in there? His crate, uh, all the all the blankets that he may or may not have peed on, or the cat may or may not have peed on. And I can't smell it. They're just like claiming everything in the house. Like, yeah. yeah. One of the other animals like, oh, this is mine. Well, right. if you got that, then I got this. Right. <laughs> and uh, I can't smell it unless I'm like right on top of it. So <laughs> I had, I felt, I felt real bad. I had uh, this band Geary from Boston stay with me one night. And I'm pretty sure one of the dudes slept on that couch without me realizing that it was all gross. He spent the whole night there, so that that's something. <laughs> I let him use the, the shower, at least, and then I didn't realize it until my sister stayed with me like for Christmas that, that same year, and she was like, this smells bad. I don't want to uh, to stay here anymore. I'm going to just get a, uh air mattress <laughs> and, and stay there and do that. And by air mattress, she meant Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, luckily she has no money and she has to like stay with me for that one time. But uh, she probably should have stayed somewhere else because it. I I felt terrible. I I had no idea that it was so bad because I just don't. I don't go into the living room at all. And I've tried using it, and I even have like the whole. Uh, I bought um, a coffee table. I bought two end tables. I have like an entertainment center out there and everything's just in my room. So I just don't get out of, <laughs> I, I just don't get out of there. And no reason to leave. So. Right, right. I need two couches like this. That way, uh, the way I can just, well, they can probably pee on that too. So what are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know. Just cover everything in plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Be like, uh, like your grandparents in the... <laughs> In the seventies or the eighties, you gotta get like the flowered stuff, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you make sure that you have all the all the plastic on there to where it they're antiques. That's what they're there for, right? So all the just the vinyl covering that way you don't ruin anything, you don't spill anything on it, and you're fine. You can preserve that nineteen sixties smell. It's still in there. <laughs> oh, uh, that's that smell. Oh no, I don't. <laughs> I feel like that would smell terrible, and then at one point it just turns stale and old. You just finally like take the plastic off one day, and you're like, "Whoa!" I think you just die. That's the first inhalation, right? That you just die because all the fibers have been there for the past four decades, <laughs> and they're supposed to breathe. Like you're supposed to have some kind of air in there. So all the all the good plastic that they used to have that that they built all the all the furniture with, all the flammable uh, 
stuffing in there. Once it once you open the seal, once you break the seal, then you just inhale it and you die. I think that's how that works. <laughs> I'm gonna be careful not to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you go uh when you go garage uh sale hunting, just make sure that they're already de-wrapped. You know what? I do keep meaning to do that to like go to like an estate sale or something. Yeah. People will find these old guitars and just like old pieces of music gear and stuff at like these estate sales and yard sales. Like some of the stuff people find there, I'm like, what? You you paid fifty dollars for a Gibson SG? Like, right? What? <laughs> right? Yeah, I I need to do that too because there's there's so much that I could get for my room. I was I was mad at myself because I spent like a thousand dollars on furniture for my house when I could have easily gone to <laughs> somewhere else and then just someone's estate and just been like, oh yeah, that looks nice. Let me get this dresser that's been around for like a hundred years that is still like made out of proper wood instead of the composite stuff that is now. <laughs> and it's going to last me forever. That's the good stuff. Yeah. They don't make them like they used to. No. and th- But they were also fucking heavy. There is that. Yeah. And I live in a basement, so I'm not trying to bring all that furniture down. Like I'm sure you don't have like a, like a door down there. Uh, definitely not. Not that I can, uh, oh, getting my mattress in and out was the worst. <laughs> And I'm just realizing this now. So I bought a uh, a purple mattress, which is That's really, really sweet. nice. Yeah, yeah. I like it a lot. Uh, but they come in and it's all rolled up. Uh, the dudes from whoever the fuck delivered it. And they took my mattress out. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. But then that purple mattress is so much heavier than any other mattress. Because it's all like gel inside of it. So I just thought... Like in real time, I'm thinking about this now. It's going to take like four people to even just try to get that up the stairs. That's going to be the worst because it's so fucking heavy and awkward. And it's just going to flip flop the, the entire way too. I think I've moved like every other year for like four years and I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Moving sucks. I used to do that. I think I'm, yeah, that sounds really, really right. Every year, year and a half. I think I want to say between like 2007 to like 2013. I think that sounds right. I don't know how long I've been in the current place, but I was doing that almost every year, year and a half for sure. And you realize how much stuff you don't need. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> then you just you're throwing it away because you don't want to move it. <laughs> I was I was sharing a house with someone and then I went to just renting a room and then all my stuff just magically didn't go to the next place because I didn't give a shit. I, I only needed my bed and that was it. Oh, I didn't even have a bed at that point. That's right. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Uh, I had moved out and then I had bought an air mattress. I think that's what it was. I had bought an air mattress that same day that I moved into the the room that I was staying in. It's a lot easier to move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just thought about that. Yeah. I bought an air mattress that night that I moved in. Oh, because the one that I had had this big giant bubble in it somehow. I guess one of the air, chamber, air chambers popped. So it just blew up and and I was sleeping on like a beach ball, it felt like. <laughs> and it wasn't even like at the foot or the head of the bed. It was definitely inside the middle of it to where all of that was uncomfortable. So There's I went like to Walmart. Nowhere you can go. 
Yeah, yeah. I went to Walmart at like one o'clock in the morning and bought a new air mattress and then slept for like the first time in a year. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a that was that was a rough time. But you're all moved into your newer place now, right? Yep. Yeah, and you got your studio downstairs for the most part. Yeah. Tell me about what you have been doing, because you have a lot of stuff that, that you're working on right now. You have some of the ISM stuff. Um, you just recorded uh, Jason Mitchell's album, or yeah. EP, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then obviously you're still playing a, a lot. So uh, what are you trying to, to do as far as the recording stuff? Are you looking at doing more of that? Yep, definitely. We recorded Jason's stuff. Finished it up in like December. I think now he's just working on getting the promo together and all that stuff. And then he's going to put that out there. It's a five song EP. It's a, I think it's great stuff. I really like his style of music. It was really a fun project to work with him. Um, I played drums. Josh Pittman played bass. And then guitar and vocals were Jason. We recorded all of it between the last place I was living and then I moved in the middle of recording. <laughs> Go figure. And then finished it up over here. Did that change any of the sound? It did a little bit. It's definitely different to go into a new place and then have to figure out, okay, well, how is this going to work now? Right. But uh, it turned out really good. It was mastered by Matt Henshaw. Oh, yeah. Oh, what was What was the bands that he was in? Landing Mary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, That's the one I know about. Yeah, because he, uh, he used to play when Red Oak was still a thing. Oh. Yeah. I talked to him a handful of times. I had this crazy idea that I was going to build a website, like have a, a catalog for all the Southern Maryland bands and have like uh, a calendar of events and all this other stuff. So I have really great ideas. I've executed on none of them. Um, <laughs> That's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. Actually doing things is the, is the, <laughs> the hard part. Uh, but you were the, basically the recording engineer and more or less producer the entire time. Yeah. So how was that compared to just being part of kind of like a member of a band recording? It's definitely a little bit different because instead of just like focusing on playing your part individually, you can kind of look at the whole piece mm -hmm. and just kind of be like, okay, is there too much happening here? Do we need a little bit more happening here? It's just a different way to look at it. And he was really going for kind of like a like a 90s sound. Okay. Something that's kind of like more raw. In all honesty, there wasn't like a whole lot of production involved on this one. Sure. It was like lay down the drums, lay down the bass, lay down the guitars, and then just mix it so it just sounds big. That was really the trick to this one. Not like a whole lot of extra parts going on in the background and stuff like that. But it, it turned out really well. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited. I've talked to Jason a couple times about trying to come onto the show. Knowing that you're involved with it just makes me even more excited because I've liked everything that you've done. You have ism stuff that you're still working on, right? Yep, yep. got a whole new album on the way. 12 songs in total. All the drums are done for everything. Now we're getting to the point that we're working on bass. And uh, I don't want I think it's too early to drop any names yet, but I may have a really great bass player <laughs> yeah. playing on some of this stuff. So that it's really exciting. Someone, someone who I used to play with years ago. Nice. He's just a great musician. So for you with, with ISM, because you've played out a few different times with that band, um, and you have a full lineup well, for the 
band that I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> that I've seen. So I don't know. Do you have some interchanging parts with that? As of right now for Ism, I don't have like a band exactly. Okay. I was <laughs> I was kind of just taking the cover band that I was playing in and being like, hey, you guys want to play these original shows? <laughs> and I mean, it, it worked out most of the time. It was really cool. But uh, all, I, all I think members... going forward, I, I need to get people who are just really interested in doing just original music. Right. Because all the members that you have with ISM that you've played out with, that's all by Felicia too, right? Yep. yep. Okay. Great musicians. They're all really awesome musicians. Now, one thing that maybe other people don't think about, do you have to supplement their income for playing an original show versus a cover show? Depending on the person, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and again, I won't drop any names, but... Right. I, I just thought about that because, I mean, that would basically, you know, they're they're doing that for a living. And when you're a cover act, you have kind of a steady in, influx of money Yeah. based off of the shows that you're playing and the, the agreements that you have with the, the bars. But when you're trying to switch over maybe to original music... And you're just like, yeah, I'm going to be doing this maybe to help out or because you guys are all band members already. I, I assume there's going to be a little bit of, of kind of a, a maybe a clash of, oh, this is what I make or this is what I do for a living. So I need mm -hmm. to be able to supplement myself if I'm going to play your stuff too. Like I'm a, yeah. I'm a professional musician like that. Oh, yeah. And I, I was kind of just like paying out of pocket. Right. You know, because... Really, last year, I wasn't 100% sure if I wanted to launch the ISM project. Okay. Like, like, all right, let's really dive into this and, like, do it big, like I did three or four years ago. And last year, we played with Ballyhoo and Trapped and did, like, just a handful of shows, and they were all really cool. But I think that made me decide that it was like, all right, now I just need to finish some of this music and then just kind of see... After it's done, okay, now that you hear what it sounds like, who wants to be involved? If anybody. That makes who, sense. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, I don't know. I'm just putting it out there and see what happens. Yeah. Well, <laughs> have you have you put out like a, a demo or anything? There was the three song EP that I released for ISM about two years ago. Mm -hmm. And that was actually how Matt Hinshaw got involved. Okay. He heard those three songs... And I guess he had moved back to the area, and he asked me if I had any more stuff, because he, he liked the direction of the sound. And this was probably, I don't know, six or seven months ago or so. Okay. And uh, he just messaged me about it, and uh, I was like, yeah, man, I got some new stuff. And I sent him some of the new tracks I've been working on, you know, just stuff I recorded at home. He was like, dude, this is really cool. Like, why don't we, you know, do something with this? And I was like... I could really use a good engineer, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I really like the stuff that he's done. He's he's a great engineer. That's fantastic. And just all around musician too. Yeah, I remember uh, really liking all the stuff that he was playing uh, when I saw him at Red Oak, and that that was obviously years and years and years ago. So that's that's very cool. It's it's interesting to see kind of like people come out of the woodwork that you used to to play with or used to just be around because it's it's weird because i think 
you're removed kind of from Southern Maryland because you live a little bit further north, but you play down there a lot, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I still think that there's some kind of black hole or maybe like rubber band system that Southern Maryland has to where once you leave, you can go do stuff, but you <laughs> always come back. Like, I feel like there's almost every person that has left, almost, almost every person that I know that has <laughs> left has come back at one point. And it, it's interesting because then you build even a better community that way too. Cause then you mm-hmm. go like learn stuff and like live for a second and you realize that there's probably better things out there, but you still come back and be like, Oh yeah, I can, I can do that here too. That's cool. Oh yeah. It's, I don't know. And people are just, you know, always like welcoming, you know? Yeah. It, it definitely has that type of uh thing to it. You know, Southern Maryland is just like that. Yeah. I did an interview with Eric and Adam. Adam's a high school senior at Great Mills, I think. And Eric's one of the, Eric Dion um, is one of the teachers over there. Um, And we were talking about the community as a whole, how it has definitely changed over the past 10 or 15 years. We have all these adults, because everybody that's been playing music for the past 10, 15 years are still playing music. Um, That's a good thing. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I like it a lot too, but the community, I think because everybody's older and like they can actually go to all the shows, I feel like it's grown quite a bit and it's grown with the people too. But to your point that it is very opening and very inviting community as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I dig it. It's harder to get like the younger kids in there. That's why I like seeing that uh, they're doing their own shows at the school, which is cool. But to still have that community where no matter how far you go, when you come back, you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm part of this, too. Yeah, it is really cool that it works like that. There's a there's always going to be people who are like, oh, well, you know, you left people behind and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, also, no, I still play around the area. You're... <clears throat> I'm currently dying. <laughs> <coughs> this is why I don't drink and water. I'm, and I'm just over here laughing about it. Yeah, I'm yeah. so insensitive. It's fine. <clears throat> Water's a trap. Just don't drink it. <laughs> um, it's not good for you. It will it will drown you. Well, I was like, oh yeah. So <clears throat> even though you're removed, kind of like living, you're still very very much part of the the scene because you play all the time down there, right? Oh yeah. I just played uh, Old Town Pub this past Thursday, and I was at the tavern in St. Leonard on Tuesday. How is that place? I've only been there maybe like once. The tavern? Yeah. Um, I think it's cool. They do. So I was talking to Jeff over there and he was talking about there's like speaking of like the different communities Mm -hmm. that kind of come up. There's like this metal scene. Yeah. That's kind of come up. That's really cool. And he was talking about how they do a slam the Xmas tree show and all this stuff. That's the Space Lumberjacks dudes. and Yeah. uh, Yeah. And they'll, and they'll, now, yeah. they'll pack the whole bar over there. That's fantastic. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah, cause I, I kind of wish there was something like that Like when I was playing down there. I would have right? loved that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because you, um, you even have like a heavier music background too, don't you? Kind of depends on what era you're talking about. <laughs> right. I used to play drums for a bunch of people. I played drums for a noise core band at one point. What? And I was living in College Park. We played like two shows... One was at the Red and the Black in DC. Oh wow, that's I forever think the other ago. Was okay. it DC Nine or something? Okay, yeah. It it was a while back, but that's it was, crazy. It was cool music, I thought. Like, <laughs> yeah, 
let's talk about that. Did you first start playing drums or first start playing guitar? I played drums first. I mean, I guess first instrument was saxophone. I was a terrible saxophone player. <laughs> um, but then I started playing drums when I was like 12. Okay. And I don't, for whatever reason, I just like really got into that. You had a stint in Death Among Heroes too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I recorded on there. It was like a six song EP that yeah. they put out. That was a lot of fun. That was a cool EP. When you first started playing, it was mostly drums, right? Yep. And then were you playing just in high school bands or how did that work out for you? Do you remember? I, I had a high school band called <laughs> Conundrum that I played in for like all four years of high school. And then I think we, you know, split up or whatever after high school. And then I joined this band playing drums. The band was called Something New. We had these connections to people in like through Good Charlotte to Wakefield, to us. That's right, okay. And, uh, I don't know, we, we had some really cool opportunities out of that, but, uh, <laughs> we basically had this deal to, like, tour in Europe. And really? the people who wanted to put us on that wanted to get a different singer. But they were like, your songs are amazing, but you gotta focus on guitar. Let's bring in a singer. And the singer guy was like, and he was like, nah, nah. Wow. So he, like, bailed and went to L.A. I'm, I'm probably... 1920 wow okay. something, something like that at the time and honestly i think that's why i picked up the guitar okay i was, I was like dude that did not just happen did that <laughs> did that really just happen that's a huge opportunity <laughs> for you at that time especially because you're you oh, said man. like 1920 yeah yeah and that's only like your second or third band yeah i think that was my third band at the time there was one more band in the, in there called eclept that i played with okay but that's wild. So you had this whole opportunity for you to go ahead, almost like an actual full backing of a record label. Pretty much. And he's just like, nah, I want to yeah. do all my own stuff. Yeah. Just because he didn't want to turn the the vocals over to someone else. But what was really odd is he was really shy. Like hmm. he, didn't, he didn't really like being the front person. So it seems like it would have been one of those things where it's like, you don't really enjoy that. Just pass it off to someone else who would really enjoy being the front person. Right. Because there's plenty of bands out there that you have the, the songwriter actually be a completely different member of the band. And the, the singer is just there to sing and be that front person. Yeah. Because they're way more outgoing or whatever i would assume that he would have been able to do like backing vocals or sing as well oh yeah like that's that's crazy that that's such a big opportunity that his pride probably i wonder if he would ever regret it i saw him years later at uh at twain's i was playing with no green jelly beans and he just so happened to be there he did regret it <laughs> <laughs> that's wild so after that, what, what did you end up doing? Were you still pursuing music? For a little bit, I didn't really want a lot to do with it. I mean, I played guitar in my spare time, just because, I mean, I do really enjoy playing. Mm -hmm. But I was like, all right, I can't do like the full band thing. I recorded for a bunch of people on drums. I recorded like Shallow Deep. Okay. And a handful of other bands around the area. And then I think that's... Probably around the time, it was probably like 23, 24, and then it started playing Death Among Heroes. I would imagine that would take the wind out of your sails, too. Having oh, man, for sure. For sure. 
it took me years to just be like, man, okay, I really still want to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was tough. That's such a, a such a good opportunity that you would think that you would have uh, that you may not even think that you would ever have again. <laughs> the opportunity, similar opportunities, it probably happened twice since then, and in those opportunities, people did the same thing. Really. <laughs> So what what can you do? What can you do? Well, but, you you always hear that artists are uh, a little bit of narcissistic, uh, and they're they're just like all about me. But you don't really <laughs> see it in action, I guess. Oh man, that's that's funny. Okay, so you're you're recording uh, drums uh, with multiple bands in the area, right? When do you start maybe playing some of your own music again, and? When do you start going into more like the cover bands? I was teaching at Hotlicks, and uh, they went out of business and all that. Mm-hmm. So I picked up playing music, you know, performing, doing cover band stuff. It wasn't ever really something I saw myself doing, honestly. It was more just like, I don't know what to do for money right now. And the opportunity was there. Started playing drums for No Green Jelly Beans. I played with them for like two years, two and a half years, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then formed the Piranhas. But before that was probably when I started really writing music. Okay. Um, I was living in College Park and just teaching at Hot Licks. And that's when like, I did a lot of writing at that point. I've, I've still got old songs that I'm probably going to put on albums following up what I'm releasing now. You know, stuff that I did years ago. That'll be cool. I'm excited for that. I totally forgot about some of it. And <laughs> my mom and my sister were listening to some of my old stuff. And they were like, why don't you put this <laughs> on an album? I'm like, uh, I totally forgot about that. And it's like, I'm, some of it I like posted on Facebook and it just doesn't really get like a whole lot of response. But they were like, dude, you got to do it again because music has changed. Like you, you got to right. put it out again. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, maybe I needed that little push, you know, somebody just be like, dude. Yeah, I like that because everything's kind of cyclical where, you know, whatever may or may not have popped back then will probably pop now. Um, and then just as long as you've probably learned a lot more stuff, I would assume, too, over the, the course of the years. It's so weird. I feel like I got to witness, like, the biggest change in the music industry that's happened in like probably 50 years. Right. Like, and just kind of see how it's affected so many different people just going from, you know, people being able to sell CDs and make royalties and have like a record label to now it's like, do you have people on your Spotify? Are you touring? Are you selling merch? And like, that's your primary way of making money. Yeah, and then the record labels want to make sure that you can actually do that before actually signing you. Yeah, so it's a whole different game. And just watching that whole thing unfold over the past like fifteen, maybe twenty years or yeah. so, to where we are right now. I took a couple classes at Berkeley on like the business of music, mm -hmm. and within four or five years, everything I learned in that class was just like out the window. It changed so quickly. That yeah, that both sucks, but also tells you how much of a a huge flexible market music is i feel like oh yeah um because the technology is always changing and always progressing and always getting more i think individualized i think I, 
that's a, a pretty good word for it because you can do so much by yourself. Oh yeah. So much more like power to the individual. Yeah. And just the people who are really willing to like get out there, write their own music and, you know, make sure that they put it out there. You know, so it's like you kind of have to think about the marketing and stuff like that on your own, which I know a lot of artists are just like, marketing, bah, why do we have to do this? But I don't know. You just got to find ways to like make yourself do it. Nowadays, you have to really be a jack of all trades with that. You know, you can't really like push it off to other people unless you're paying them to really do that. Yeah. Because it's, it's such a hard thing to get your music out there, make a name for yourself, and you have to make a huge... You have to try to be very loud in an already very loud space. Yep. <laughs> and that's very, very difficult. So you have to find like a new way of attracting people. Uh, and then unfortunately, like I'm the worst at social media. I, I hate it. I don't even... <laughs> Like when I promote shows, I don't want to have my dumb face anywhere on it because it's not about me, right? And that's that's like just one of my my pet peeves. I, I have the same problem. Right. I totally do. <laughs> yeah, and I can't really like grow the show if I'm not actively on social media, and I'm not actively on social media, so I have to figure out the best way to do it. Uh, there's so many different av- avenues as far as like advertisements and stuff like that, but. Yeah, it's it's the worst, and I I don't want to do it. I also don't want to pay anybody to do it. So that is, oh yeah, you're you're just kind of stuck in in like a rock and a hard place of, I just want to get this stuff out, but I also want people to hear it. It it's so different. It's so crazy having to do all of that on your own, and then just like figure out you know what's your marketing strategy. You know what kind of listeners are listening to the show. It's a it's a lot for like one person to think about all the time, and then just doing it in your spare time mostly. Because for you, you were teaching music yep. um, at Hot Licks. That was your main gig, right? Yeah. And then when that goes away, now you're gonna be more focused on the cover bands to make money, right? Yeah. Were you also working too, uh, trying to find another job? Or I did. I worked at a couple different shops for a while. But I really only managed to have like five or six students um, at a lot of the places. So I'd maybe work there for, I don't know, six months, mm-hmm. seven months. And then I'd be like, okay, I'm going to just book more shows. Right. And, you know, a couple years of doing that. And then I have, you know, four or five shows a week. So I didn't really have to have another job for a while. But then I started to realize, you know, I'm constantly moving equipment. I'm constantly having to take all my stuff apart. Like I can't just sit and write music when I'm doing that. So here I am like a decade later after being a teacher coming back to teaching after being in cover bands for like 10 years and now just getting back to a spot where it's like, okay, don't have to move my stuff all the time. (laughs) I can like really focus on just writing again and just kind of like clear my head. But I've got a lot of new influences now because there's, because having to be in a cover band, there's so many styles of music that I may not have really just played on my own, you know? So it kind of introduced me to a lot of different styles of music, stuff that I never really thought that I would like as much as I do now. Yeah, that makes sense, because especially since you're playing and you're hopefully finding more and more music that people like, Yep. right? And that really, people like a lot of different stuff for the most part. So you're going to be playing oldies you're gonna be playing Beatles you're gonna be playing 
also like Katy Perry and yep. and all this other stuff <laughs> and trying to blend all of that stuff together, which is going to be very, very difficult, I feel like. Um, so we'll talk about, uh, so no green jelly beans, you were drumming for them for the, what, the first two years of their existence or they had been a I band feel like for about a year or two. They had just switched singers. Wes was playing drums. And that's then right. Okay. He wanted to front the band and it just so happened that I had moved back into town at the same time and I ended up playing drums for him for it was a little bit over two years. Nice. It was a lot of fun. It was like right when they were like starting to really pick up and play out mm-hmm. of town and stuff like that. That was exciting. That was really cool. And then you wanted to form your own? It kind of just like happened. I just started jamming with my brother Anthony and Justin and it kind of just turned into its own thing. And I did get to write a little bit with that. And we kind of like talked about doing originals. It never really came to fruition just yet. But uh, that's kind of why I branched off back then. But it eventually led to doing stuff like Ism. So, I mean, I think it was the right move. With the piranhas, <clears throat> I'm still recovering from the, the water almost killing it's me. It's deadly, man. Yeah. So with the, the piranhas, you're doing four to five shows a week. That's really starting to, between No Green and then the piranhas, you're really starting to gather steam with the, the cover bands and able to really actually sustain yourself with that, right? Yeah. With that, I think it's a good point that you made where you can't really give yourself time to think about what you might want. That writing that you were talking about, does that come back with the piranhas later on? Cause I, I think I remember part of you guys doing some original stuff here and there Yeah, and then it was mostly covers, but you're still kind of branching off here and there, right? Yeah. We kind of dabbled with original music when it was me, Justin and Anthony, but then we brought in Eric and Dylan and they both have a background of, you know, working with original music and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So then it kind of became something kind of more on the forefront. But it wasn't until Cameron and then Dusty joined that it was really like, okay, let's really try and push this original thing and just see what happens. I think it really, like for what it was then, it really made a splash. Yeah. It was cool. And I really want to give that a shot again. I actually ended up booking a tour that went like up the East coast and like each show paid some money, uh, had a place to stay. Food was provided. And it was like a week before that, that people quit. Like, <laughs> I, was, I was like, here, here we go yet again. <laughs> well, and I, so I think that's interesting. What, what can you do? Right. Right. I think that's interesting too, though. Cause was that one of your only tours that you've been on? That's the only one that I've really booked myself. Okay. I mean, I've kind of traveled around with other bands and stuff, but that was the first one that I really booked. We'd played in like New York. I played shows in Philly and stuff like that. But that was the first time I was like, all right, we're going to go play Philly. Then I think it was Boston and then New York on the way back. And it was like a week and a half long, like kind of like mini tour. Yeah. And that I think that would have been really cool. But uh, I guess we'll never know. so you didn't even get to go on that tour Mm -mm. at that at that time the music was written in a way that it needed all the other members and there i wanted to just go and play acoustic 
but with only a week trying to transform these, I don't know, complex songs into like an acoustic version. I, and with my skill level at that point, I was like, nah, I just can't, I can't do it. Yeah, that that would have to be very difficult. And I think I probably burned a few bridges canceling shows like that, you know, like the week of. Yeah, I mean, that, that would kind of suck a little bit for sure. But at the same time, you know, if you're... If your bandmates quit, there's not really much that you can do. <laughs> you know what, though? I've thought about that a lot. Ever, and I mean, as many times as it's happened to me, and now writing the stuff that I'm writing now, I think starting out, I'm probably going to book shows and just have backing tracks and, you know, kind of run everything that way. And as I go, like, oh, okay, so i got a bass player now. Cool. Mute the bass track, and then we'll just play to the backing tracks. And then bring in a guitar player mute the guitar part bring in a drummer mute the drums until i have a whole band and then it's like oh drummer can't make it tonight well we still have a show because i've got drum tracks and that's a people are so unpredictable and it's such a difficult thing to put back together like once you've lost that momentum getting it back is the hardest part if you can just keep things rolling even if it's not like perfect, like, you know, and you spend all this time rehearsing, trying to get things as tight as you can, being able to have a way that it's like, okay, I still have a show. Yeah. And and even just being able to play stuff like acoustic and all that too. I would strongly encourage you to make sure that you uh, perfectly time breaks too. Um, <laughs> I saw Pretty Mean a couple times with uh, Mike Miller and Mike doesn't do a very good job of giving himself a break in between songs. Hmm. So he just continuously plays. Uh, I remember him playing at the, it was Mad Moon Cafe at the time um, for My Heart, My Anchors, like last show in the county. It was supposed to be one of his last like farewell shows. He'll never stop playing music. He'll never stop. He's and doing he it. And he, he shouldn't. No, he shouldn't. And he's doing it right now. <laughs> And he's he's booking shows again, and uh, I've never been happier. But at That's the same great. at the same time, like we all knew he was lying. We all, <laughs> it it doesn't stop. You you it doesn't. You, it always continues. But it was funny because uh, I looked at him and was like, "Why are you doing this to yourself? You can't breathe." So if you do all that, like what you're talking about, which I I think is is an interesting philosophy for that, to where you want to be able to do all your own stuff but you can't really rely on other people. But the technology is there for you to be able to do whatever you wanted. Because you can just actually a lot of people doing that right now too. Like if you're the opening band for like a touring act, a lot of times they don't want you taking up the space on stage. So, you know, you just run your backing tracks, you know, you have it set up so people can still mix the drums, mix the bass. So they're still mixing it like a live show, but that's really, I'm going to try and do that. You know, but then if people are interested in the music and want to join and want to be a part of it, like if it's the right people, I would totally be all about that for sure. That's really the goal. Yeah. But then just making sure that, you know, even if I have other members playing that all we're all covered, like, oh, well, you know, this guy is stuck in another state and, you know, he can't get here today. All right. Well, we still got a show because we got those guitar tracks right here. So. We're going to be playing to the backing tracks today, but we don't have to lose a gig. Right. Because that's, that's really like, that's the worst. I, th- I think that's fantastic. And I would, I would imagine too, that you feel that even more because of the fact that music has become your job. 
Oh, yeah. Right? That's your main source of income. So for you to even think about like missing out on a cover band show, you know, that's a, a decent am- amount of your money that you're also missing out on. So oh, yeah. I like that idea to where you're able to keep going. And did that, do you think that stemmed from the, the cover band? And then also the fact that kind of people suck a little bit to where <laughs> they quit a week before the, the, the tour? <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, it's definitely, and it's happened. It's one of those things you've heard that saying. It's like you know, uh, fool me once, shame on you. Right. Fool me twice, you know, shame on me. Like it's happened so many times. It's like okay, I have to have some way to guard myself against this, because chances are it probably is going to happen again, for whatever reason. But just to be ready if it does happen, you know, and not just have to be like, oh man, all at work I did just out the window. Like, that's probably the worst part. Yeah. But it definitely makes me motivated to think about, all right, how can I make sure this doesn't happen again? Well, have you pushed your, have you had to push yourself then to learn the recording process of it rather than yep. just the, the playing of the music? Oh, yeah. Is that how you got into wanting to record other people's stuff too? It all kind of started just as like, you know, songwriting. Because I wanted to be able to hear how all the pieces fit together. Mm-hmm. Some of my friends who write music kind of grill me for this. Because I don't just sit and like write songs on an acoustic guitar first. And they're like, how do you write songs without just learning it on an acoustic first? Like, I might have an idea and I play it on the guitar. And then the next idea comes to me and it's on the bass. And then I just kind of string all the pieces together. And then eventually I finally have a song. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really weird how... It happens. But I don't know. I've always kind of thought that there's no wrong way to do the creative process. So long as you end up with a finished product that you enjoy. Well, I also think it's unique because you're playing all the different instruments. (laughs) Because we were talking about how you're teaching piano, you're teaching guitar, you're teaching drums. Are you teaching bass too or just... I have one bass student now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you're teaching the whole band, yeah. which is which is funny. And not everybody is a multi-instrumentalist, right? So to have that kind of mindset of, okay, now I have this riff on the guitar. Well, now I have this bass line that I'm thinking of. Oh, this would actually work well with that. And now I can just play the drums underneath. So that w- that makes sense that all those different pieces are coming together. And you want to be able to listen to it almost in real time to figure out what yep. m- matches yep. with what, right? Exactly. Because that's the hardest part. It's like, you know, I can kind of... Sometimes I'll map stuff out on paper, and it's like, okay, I really think that this is going to work the way that it is, but then you never really know until you sit and you just play through the whole thing and then listen back to it, and it's like, either it did work or it didn't work, you know? You just got to kind of try some different things and see what happens sometimes, but without having a band to sit there and do it, you know, like, oh, hey, I got an idea for this bass line. And then the whole band just plays through three times each time you try the different bass lines. I kind of have to do all that on my own. <laughs> so right. It takes, it takes longer. I think one thing that you m- might come up against as far as an obstacle then is you don't have that real-time feedback or having, hey, I think that riff would go well with this riff that I've also been working on for yeah. however long. Because you, you're not able to like bounce back off of each other. Yeah. I think that's interesting. 
for you, you have to really think about everything because you are by yourself doing it for the most yep. part, right? Yeah, at least for right now. I mean, I've got a bass player involved right now, and he's been working through all the parts. We're probably going to jam through some of the stuff in like the next week or two. So I'll get a live feel for some of that stuff too, though. But I'm kind of just playing it by ear and seeing what's happening. Like if I need to play all the parts, I'll play all the parts. Because <laughs> you but, can. Uh, yeah. But but if other people want to get involved, and you know, I'm I'm open to that too. Do you ever feel stuck then, or do you just almost constantly have some kind of an idea that's going through your head? I've had to find ways around that. It's like you know, people talk about like writer's block. But really, I don't. The more I write, the more I realize there's no such thing as writer's block. There is always somewhere to go. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just spending the time to have like different exercises and things that you think about. Like, uh, there's a book uh, by Pat Pattison. He's a Berkeley teacher. He just talks about different exercises you can do for lyrics. Like, all right, if you're stuck, try doing an object right. And, you know, just like different exercises like that. And then just trying to apply stuff like that to the instruments as well. But that's where it helps playing other instruments too. Like I might hit a dead end on this guitar part, but then what I'm hearing is on the bass. So then I lay down the bass line in the next part, and then it completes what I was looking for on the guitar. It's it's like such a weird way to go about doing it, but sometimes I'll hear the low end, and then I hear the melody later. Yeah, and that also makes sense too, because some bands... Really, the the bassist just follows the guitar. But if you're all you're doing is is going back and forth between these instruments, and you're just like, well, well, that that riff might actually sound better on the bass because it has a, a more beefier sound or, or oh, whatever yeah. it is, right? So that that makes total sense. That maybe it's just not working on the guitar, and you can. It sounds like you can kind of see that and hear that, and then you're just like, all right, well, let me get a different look at it. Oh, this feels way better. That's like exactly what I did for for this album. There's a lot of stuff that I had had written on the guitar. And I was like, all right, what would happen if I put this on the piano? So I relearned a lot of riffs that I had and put them on the keys. And I was like, okay, this is really cool when I play it on on the keys. And then you have all kinds of different ideas from there and whatnot. And just being on the keys, you can set it to all kinds of different settings Different sounds, different everything. It doesn't just have to be a guitar. Yeah. You know, then it just, it opens all these different avenues and it might completely change what I played on the guitar. That's wonderful. That that makes so much sense that you're able to kind of see it from all angles like that. That's, I really, I really, really dig that. And that, that <laughs> goes into the, just the, the fact that you're versatile and you're able to do so much. And uh, where, I'm, where I'm teaching right now, I teach at Garrett Park Guitars in Annapolis And what I do there, you know, of course, we do like one-on-one lessons and stuff. But we also put together student bands. Like you might have like four or five kids in a band, drummer, bass player, keyboard player, guitar, vocalist. And, you know, I get to sit there and arrange the songs for them. Like we might do, I mean, it could be anything. Like a Weezer song is one of the ones that we Mm -hmm. did. And then arranging the keys and arranging the bass and the guitar and the drums and making sure that, you know, the students, it's not like above their skill level, but it's not like too far below their skill level. Something that's challenging, but you know, they can play it. 
So you have to change the arrangement of the song. Yeah. Just, just a little bit. But it's like I get to do that all the time. And then I get to come home and apply that to writing my own stuff. You know? So it's like I kind of practice all day long. <laughs> and then I come home and I'm like, okay, this this thing I did today with this student group just gave me an idea for this song that I've been stuck on. Do you ever lose that spark between the ride from the, the school or from that one moment? It to- can happen, definitely. <laughs> any any chance I get, like, if I have a, a second to sit down, like, play through something that's in my head, you know, just take a quick video on my phone, that idea can always change. You know, you're, like, walking around... And there's music everywhere, like stop at Wawa on the way home, mm-hmm. and now you got Billie Jean stuck in your head or something, <laughs> and you're like, man, oh, what was that idea that I had? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it, they very much worm in your brain. <laughs> so that one sound that you may have had in there before just goes completely away once you hear something else, and it's the worst. <laughs> or it just doesn't leave. Like I, I've had multiple songs in my head that are not great songs, but they stay there and they don't leave until I finally get something else in there that's hopefully better. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's even worse. And it just it's just that one part that just keeps looping and looping and looping and I can't get it out. Uh, but that's the that's interesting. So does your brain ever stop thinking about music? When I play video games. <laughs> that's pretty much what I do for R&R. Like, I don't really, I mean, I love going to local shows. That's the other thing I'll do. But of course, I'm listening to music, so there's still music in my head doing that. But I mean, usually if I just want to chill out and do something that's not music related, I'll just play some video games. That's definitely what I would do. That that makes sense. You got to be able to turn your brain off every once in a while. Definitely true. I talk about it um, just in like my personal life to where, you know, I, I work full time. I do this and this is almost a full time thing. Yeah. Listening, like editing and listening to the show and trying to get rid of all the ums and the bad <laughs> breath and the not the bad breath, but the, like the coughing and stuff. That's it, it. It doesn't take a short amount of time for me because I'm still very much new to all the recording stuff, the software, you know, everything that you can think of. So it's cool to just be able to not talk to anybody because that's what I do all day, every day. I I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to be able to shut off and lose myself into something. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's, it's fighting games and it's destiny. Uh, (laughs) And those, those are the only style of games that I'm good at. I just got a MK 11 and I'm real bad at that because I don't any of the like the the classic arcade games that you do all the super moves and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm so bad at it, so bad. Like I think one time I played my friend in Street Fighter a hundred times in a row, and I won <laughs> once, <laughs> and that was just demoralizing all the way through. But I wanted to keep going. Like I I really like playing, and I get really like close to beating him. And then, and then you just, think you have hope, and then it's like... Ah, it gets smashed. Another 20 deaths later. <laughs> yeah. <like> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I could play... I could I, I could play, like, Soul Calibur. I could play all that stuff just against a computer for hours on end and could be completely content and just enjoy myself and not have to think about anything else. I, I love the RPGs. 
whether it be like Final Fantasy or Zelda or like Elder Scrolls type stuff. Yeah. And like my main thing is just treasure hunting. <laughs> just doing like the side quests, like let's just go find whatever items you can in the game. Right. Like, <laughs> that yeah, that's how I lose myself really. <laughs> I I dig that. Um do you find that you're able to give yourself time to do that? Especially with, with teaching recently. I mean, like I was saying earlier, you know, I was just doing cover band stuff all the time. I didn't, I mean, I'm always taking my equipment apart and stuff like that. With with teaching regularly now, I, I just quit the cover band I was playing in New Year's. So now I'm just doing acoustic gigs and teaching. Okay. So it's a lot less driving. So now that, you know, I get to go to work like a normal person <laughs> yeah. and, and come home and I'm, you know, I work maybe 12 minutes away so I can go to work and come home and I'm not worn out. Right. You know, doing like having to travel two hours, set up sound for an hour, wait for an hour, play a four hour gig and then do all that over again. Like you end up having like a 10 hour day doing some of this cover band stuff. Like there are days where it can be a lot, lot of work. Well, you're also bringing your own sound lights. It, It all depends on where we're at. If, if it's a venue that requires us to bring our own stuff, you know, we had our own stuff. That was what we did. Yeah. But then there were definitely places we played that had their own stuff too. Which is probably a lot nicer. But then you usually have to drive hour and a half, you know, to <laughs> yeah. get to get to a lot of them. Yeah. That's an interesting point to where you're you're able to finally have some kind of balance back, right? Oh man. And just not having to be like the band leader guy. <laughs> That's that's a lot of work in itself. You gotta, if there's any problem, doesn't matter whose fault it is, it falls on you. It's your problem, right? You, you gotta fix it. Right. That's probably the hardest part about being like the band leader. And is this by Felicia that you? Yeah. Disbanded. That was, that was well. They're still playing. They're still playing. Okay. They just played. I forget where they just played recently. But uh, Rachel's fronting the band now. Okay. Cool. Definitely, definitely worth checking out. They're okay. They're awesome. And I, I was telling him the whole time, I was like, you really probably don't need me in this band. Like, <laughs> you guys are like, Mitch is an amazing guitar player. He can cover all my parts. <laughs> like, you got Rachel on vocals. Like, come on. The few times that I've seen by Felicia, but also Ism, she's a very big presence on stage. Oh, yeah. And could definitely carry that all the way through. I'm kind of excited to see what happens because it'll kind of put her in a position where she has to, like, all right, now you got to be the front. Yeah. Like, you know, there's nobody else to really help you out there. But I, th- I think she's going to step up to it. Whatever you look for in a performer, I feel like that's, she already has it. Just from the, the few shows that I've seen. And she's got a great voice too. So that's, that's going to be fantastic all the oh, way yeah. through. What was that kind of like decision for you then? Were you finally just, be like, okay, I need to take a, a break from from this, or was it something that you need to just rest? There was a lot of things that happened. Um, it was nothing with like members or anything like that. Like they were a great band, and everybody was really easy to work with. Because you were there for years, right? We did that band uh, about three years. Okay. Yeah, I think I left at the three year mark, but I mean, been doing cover band stuff for like a decade. Right. But honestly, there were two really big decisions. We played this show called the Shamrock Run. And it was booked through an agency. 
anything that's done like that, I don't really get a whole lot of say in a lot of things that Mm -hmm. go on. So we show up to play the Shamrock Run. We're all there. We're set up on stage. And we realize there's no sound. And, like, this isn't a venue I can run sound. This was at Ramshead outside, like, the main outside stage. 4,000 people showed up that day. And we didn't play because there was no PA. Because between the people who booked the show and the people who run the venue, there was some kind of miscommunication and there was no sound. But I tried to find sound that whole day. There's like five stages there. There's Mm -hmm. sound everywhere. Except for yours? Yeah. And then come to find out, there's basically just a locker right there that had tons of sound gear. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And that was, that was like last March. And then I started teaching at Garrett Park Guitars and that April. Like I was finally just like, okay, uh, I'm teaching again. I like, it took the wind out of everybody's sails. Cause I'm, I mean, we were, the band was just steadily climbing, climbing, climbing. And I really think that was our chance to like, all right, Baltimore, here's our band. And, you know, just once again, having a moment like that, just like, just taken away from you mm-hmm. because of somebody else's inability to do something. And in their case, somebody who actually gets paid to do that. And I was like, I got to get away from this. But yeah, that, that's that was, insane. And it wasn't an easy decision because they are an excellent band. I think one thing that you, you mentioned, so the agency part, I don't think that people realize that cover bands, they just don't do a, a bar circuit, right? They actually have a booking agent or something along those lines that you work with, right? You have your own like cover band network almost, right? Yeah, you can do it on your own, but uh, it's a little bit different. With the original music, it's harder to make money, so you don't have as many people who are trying to profit off of you. Right. But in the cover band scene, it's easier to make money because you're playing other people's music. Everybody's already familiar with it. So it's easier to run into situations where, well, you just can't play this room unless you go through this agency for whatever reason. I think that's interesting because if if there was that kind of, not standard, but that kind of idea about original music where you can make as much money off the original music, then you would have that same kind of ability to play wherever almost, right? Because when you're doing original music, it's so hard to be able to build up your your brand, your name, your audience, all that stuff, just so you can actually go play out. Because you're going to mm-hmm. be playing out a lot of times to 10, 20, maybe 30 people at most. And then you hope that those crowds keep growing and growing, but you don't know until you actually go play the show. That's really the hard part. And I think that's why a lot of people are just like, man, this is going to be too hard. Like, I just don't even... I'm just going to stop. I'm going to stop here. Because it's it's tough. Like, you really do have to spend the time to get out there and just do it. I posted an article on my Facebook. Um, it was an interview with Sturgill Simpson. Okay. And he was talking about how... You know, if you want to get fans, don't just come live in Nashville or or any city for that matter. Like, oh, I'm just going to totally move somewhere else and, and then I'm going to go be famous because I'm in this city. He was like, no, you got to go out there and earn your fans. Go out there and play different places, you know, around you first. And I've heard people say that since even before the industry changed. That is probably one thing that has not changed with the old industry to the new industry. 
if you want fans and original music, go out and earn them. And I shared that because I was like, man, that is just so true. That is so right. And I really think that as I, you know, put out this ism stuff and all of that, I'm hoping, you know, I can start booking enough shows where it's like, all right, I'm playing in Baltimore this night. And then catch me in Philly, you know, this next weekend. And, you know, just doing stuff like that eventually. And, you know, it'll start slow at first. That's just how it is. But I'm hoping to just, like, keep growing it and keep growing it. But going into it knowing I'm not going to make money right away. Right, (laughs) right. It's just not how it's going to work. Yeah, you're almost... uh... It's, I you think just gotta it, love doing it. Yeah, know? and I think it's interesting that you have kind of an opportunity because you've you've been in bands when you were younger and have those great opportunities that were squandered for the most part, right? Or missed out for whatever reason. We know what the reason people quit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the 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 flip side of that is that you have now that maturity level, and also. I don't want to really say fear of others, but kind of that idea of I can't rely on anybody else but myself, right? So between all the booking that you've done, now you're able to really come to a measured approach of how you probably want to totally do this this next project, right? Totally. I have a whole... Yeah, it's like taking all those different things that I've done and now I actually get to put all of it to work And just for one project, instead of like, oh, well, you know, I'm doing this cover band thing over here, I'm doing this acoustic show, and then maybe an ism show over here, and just like splitting myself up so many different ways, now I can just like really make sure that I'm focusing on this one thing, and just make sure that all the pieces fit with that one thing. So I'm I'm really excited to see how it all comes together. Well, do you think it's more of a sense of release for yourself too, and a good relief that now you're you're able to really hone in on everything and be basically the best that you can be at this one project, right? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been a long a long way to get to where I'm at right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, it's definitely every time that's happened to me, it's like really motivating. It's like, ah, well, that happened. Well, am I just going to quit or am I going to keep going? And then if I keep going, I know that I'm going to have to work even harder. So then I do. And every time that happens, I learn a little bit more and I work a little bit harder and get a little bit better at doing this and doing that. Just having different pieces to add into what I'm doing. With the the band name and the branding, have you thought about rebranding that too because of the way that you're approaching it? I haven't done this yet. I'm kind of waiting to do this part, but I'm probably going to strip pretty much everything that's on the pages. And I'm just going to have a Facebook, Instagram, and a website. And those are the three I'm going to focus on. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to rebrand everything. Not quite at that stage. I'm just trying to finish up all the music. Sure. Because the, the social media aspect, it'll happen when it you know when I'm ready to do that and really yeah. dive into that. I want the music to be pretty much complete before I put myself in that mindset. Because I'll probably have to finish this album and then go into like, you know, all right, let's do a social media crunch for six months or whatever. And, you know, kind of have the writing, still writing, but kind of on the back burner. Do that six month push and then be like, hey, I'm not going to be as active on social media for a little while. I'm working on finishing the next, you know, recording that I've got. But I, I think what's important about social media is just letting your fans know what's happening 
Mm -hmm. And that's why it's great to have an opportunity like this. I can actually tell people like, Hey, you know, this is what's happening. And, uh, it was really just, just this year, you know, that I decided like, okay, I'm really, really gonna finish this and push it and get some new material done. Cause I've been working on it for a long time and now I've just really been putting it together. Yeah. Cause if I remember right, um, when you first started with ISM years ago, it was more of an actual band, yep. right? So talk to me a little bit about that first iteration and then kind of what you see more of it going in the future. Because the the songs that I've seen you play live, they're kind of all over the place oh, yeah. musically too, right? Yep. So yeah, talk to me a little bit about the beginning of that and then kind of the, the future that you see it. So where I was with the with the Rorschach album, I wrote a lot of the chord changes and like the vocal melodies and stuff like that. But then because there were so many people involved, it really ended up having a different sound from like what I originally intended it to be. But also at that time I couldn't do what I do now where I can like finish an entire song with like leads, keys, bass, drums. Like I couldn't do that then like I can now. Sure. So I couldn't just show people like, Hey, this is exactly what I want this song to be. So, you know, I was kind of just like really inviting of other people's input, but it kind of didn't end up being as cohesive as I hoped, honestly on that album. But with the new stuff, I've made sure that the way that I'm writing it, all right, these two or three songs fit a particular style. And these two or three songs fit a particular style. And as you listen across the album, it's going to make sense as a piece, you know, because you've got those interrelated things from song to song. And I'm not trying to overcomplicate anything. That first album some of the songs end up having like six or seven guitar tracks <laughs> like of different stuff. And it's like, you can't replicate that live. Right. Like you're not going right. to have like six, seven guitar players on stage playing all this stuff. Sure hope not. Oh man, no way. <laughs> it's hard enough to get four or five people <laughs> right. together. Like. <laughs> yeah. We were talking about you backtracking everything, let alone having <laughs> a whole guitar orchestra. That's, that's interesting. Cause when you did your, the Warshark, Warshark. I can't say that name. <laughs> War Warshashir. War yeah, Warshashir. Yeah. I, I can't say the word. Awesome. Uh, well, when you did that album, so you had more of a jazz guy and Dylan, jazz pop, right? Um, I don't remember the the other people in that band at the time. Um, Cameron had like more of a jazz background as well. And then, if I remember right, because we we talked about it before, that those styles really kind of clashed but also made something good and it, it definitely had its moments that album has a few things on there it's like wow like that came together really well but then there's a lot of parts where it's just like there's so much going on that you know the you know what is supposed to be highlighted right here what right what is the melody and i've been really careful on this new music where i'm writing it for a four-piece band i got drums bass guitar and i'm just gonna have like one guitar part it's either gonna be doing the lead or be doing the rhythm it's not gonna be doing a whole ton of stuff and then the keys and there can be up to two key sounds at the same time and then nothing more ever on one song so i've been really careful in how i'm constructing things 
so that, you know, the vocal melody really stands out. And then when you go into like a break with a guitar melody, the guitar melody really stands out or the key melody really stands out. But throughout it, you know, you're going to have a strong sense of like, oh, okay, I know what the main theme of this, whatever I'm listening to is. Sure. And, but just trying to make it like fun and interesting to listen to. Are you afraid that you'll ever put yourself in a box? Because it sounds, it sounds rigid. Like it sounds like rigid thinking. So are you afraid that you won't really be able to expand out from those four kind of sounds? Or mm-hmm. is it something that there's so many possibilities with that, it doesn't really matter? Oh, yeah. I feel like there's so many places I could go with that. On on this new album, it's basically, it's got an indie rock backbone. Okay. But then it'll swing to pop. It'll swing to like kind of like an incubus rock Cool. It'll kind of go a little bit harder, like hard rock. And, you know, kind of with the pop stuff, there's like, there's stuff you can dance to. But it's kind of like a, like that mid 2000s sound that was out, like MGMT and like uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix and, you know, okay, all yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of okay. stuff. AWOL Nation. Like, there's a lot of influence of that across the different songs. So. I don't know. I think it's going to come together really well. I'm super excited to hear how it all comes together. Yeah, me too. I, I like that. So what do you think throughout your your music journey so far is one of the, the one things that you've learned most about yourself? Mm, interesting question. Um, I am stubborn as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just don't want to quit on something that I believe in. You know, it's something that I really enjoy too. Yeah. You know, and I guess it's it's always really bothered me to see really talented people, you know, stop doing something that they're so good at. You know, I don't think I'm the best musician out there, but I, I've worked with other guys who are way better musicians than I am. And sometimes they just like stop playing or for whatever reason, it could be any, any reason. And I'm just like, man, I just, it for whatever reason, that just made me want to keep doing it. You know, I like it. What do you think keeps you driven the most? Is it that I don't want to quit mentality or is it anything else that, that really keeps you motivated to keep going through music and, and, or even if it's a sound that keeps staying in your brain, right? Oh, definitely. It's, it's like musical schizophrenia, man. <laughs> like you, you got to do something with it. Um, but I mean, I've worked, I did like construction and some other stuff, like worked in restaurants for a while, like did some bartending. And it's like, I just, I realized it's like, even when I'm doing stuff like that, I'm like walking around and I just got something playing in my head and I'm like, but in that situation, I can't do anything. I can't get an idea out of my head. I can't pull my phone out when I'm, you know, standing there trying to take a table of eights order, you know, and get an idea out of my head. So I just, I always made my way back to music. And I honestly feel like I don't even get a say in it. Like I just, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I, I have to do it. I like it. I think that's it. Yeah, I dig that. All right, cool. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, man.